Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 17. And you Bible students and scholars and those who read the Bible regularly know exactly what I'm going to talk about today. And the title of my message is Grace, Grit, and Goliath. Grace, Grit, and Goliath. I mentioned this just a few minutes ago as we were worshiping the Lord, but how many know that honesty is at a premium nowadays? (laughs) We live in a time where people can fake resumes, they can fake experiences. I mean, my goodness, you can even take a selfie and begin to change your complexion and I saw an app just the other day, and I thought about using it when I was taking some beach pictures. It added muscles and abs and all those kind of things, and I really, really thought about downloading that, but I thought, no, I want to be honest. But I ran across a very interesting uh, little article here uh, a few months ago, and it made me chuckle, but it's about if brands were really honest, if brands were really honest. So I hope this kind of lightens your mood as we go into the Word today, but For instance, I saw this one, Netflix, spend more time searching than actually watching. (laughs) Victoria's Secret, lowering a woman's self-esteem since 1977. (laughs) WebMD, convince yourself you have a terminal illness. Anybody else ever gone on WebMD? Don't do that. Don't do that. Chick-fil-A, you'll always crave it on Sunday. Ikea, we throw in extra parts just to mess with you. (laughs) If you've ever put something together from Ikea, I'm like, Leah, there's three bolts, two screws, and a piece of wood over here, and I don't know where it goes because it looks like it's done. Motel 6, we will leave the light on for you because you're probably in a sketchy neighborhood. (laughs) NyQuil, slip into a nice coma for a few hours. (laughs) This is, just, this is just a few of many that I read. McDonald's, because you only have $5. <laughs> but it really does seem like honesty is at a premium nowadays. And I said it before, and what's been on my heart this past week as I prepare for today's sermon is to talk about grace, to talk about grit, and to talk about honesty and Goliath and And not shying away from our Goliath, but facing our Goliath. Because at different times, we're all going to have a Goliath in our life. And one thing I want to tell you this morning is when you look at the story of David and Goliath, David didn't choose his Goliath, right? If you read the story, David wasn't even supposed to be there. He was actually the first Domino's pizza delivery guy. (laughs) He was, because in the story, he's just delivering bread and cheese. And in the Bible, it says, God said David was a man after his own heart. And I thought, David's a man after my own heart too because it's dairy and carbs. That's a man after my own heart. (laughs) But he didn't choose his Goliath. And we have people sitting in this room. We have people listening by way of live stream. We have dear, precious sister in the Lord and others I know that are even facing what seem like insurmountable health issues And I came to tell you something this morning that our God is able to defeat every Goliath that we face. And I want to talk this morning about grace, grit. Everybody say grit. Grit. There's one thing that I recognize in the life of David that I have always wanted to emulate in my life, and that is grit. Say it again, grit. grit. Does anybody else just like to get gritty? Like five of you. Awesome. I mean, I grew up running through the woods, wearing camouflage every day, BB gun, basset. He was half basset hound and half uh, something else, uh, bloodhound or something. And he ran right alongside me. But I just, I would come in just dirty from head to toe. And I translated that into a career of being a landscaper and a landscape designer and having my own business for years and being able to get out there and just kind of get gritty. But in David's life, we see that he was somebody that had an internal toughness. And I want to emulate the great men and women of God in the Bible that just had a grit. Everybody say grit. Grit. I was recalling just last week, I was driving to vacation, week before last, I lose track of time, it was last week. I was driving with my son and we began to just talk about different teachers that we've had through the years and talk about and I told him one of my favorite teachers growing up was my eighth grade shop teacher 
my eighth grade shop teacher, I'll never forget. I'd never seen him before. I'd heard people talk about him, but he was always in this other wing of the school that nobody really went to. And when they came out, most of them were crying with tears because he was such a large, intimidating man. He was bald, had these piercing blue eyes. And i never forget the first day of shop class. We're all in this big class together. We sat on stools, which was unusual, with a large top. And, of course, he was teaching us how to use lathes and how to use, you know, drill presses and how to even miter things and all these different planers, you know, he showed us. I'll never forget the very first day he held up sandpaper. And I noticed something right off the bat. He only had two fingers on one of his hands. <laughs> That's a shop teacher right there, big, just a gritty man. That's who he was. He was just gritty. And he held up sandpaper, and he said, well, first thing I wanted to, he, he was from Kentucky, and not to offend anybody from Kentucky, I have a little bit of a southern accent because most of my kinfolk are from Kentucky. But he said, boys, this is 250 grit sandpaper. He said, you use this sandpaper after you finished your project and you varnished it, and you can get all the bubbles out of it with 250 or 251. Some of you know that joke I've told before. 250 sandpaper. He said, now, boys, this is 150 grit sandpaper. You want to use this on your project before you varnish it. It's going to just kind of sand it down a little bit. Then he said, this is 60 grit sandpaper. And he said, boys, 60 grit sandpaper is meant to knock all the rough edges off of your project. And I was thinking about that the other day, and being a person of internal toughness, grit, I want to teach you today, G plus R equals IT. And I'm going to give you the answer before I give you the formula as we go into the life of David. Because one thing that I love about David is he was somebody that had grit. He was somebody that was, I want to be the type of believer. I want to be the type of Christian, the man and woman of God that I have before me today. I want to be the type of person that can get through the tough stuff like 60 grit sandpaper. Come on, somebody. Not only that, but I want to be the type of husband and dad that smooths out the edges for other people. I want to be the type of, in other words, if we are going to G-R-I-T, if we're going to get to the I-T, which is internal toughness, and I'm not talking about external, you know, macho, gritty type of thing today. Some of the, some of the toughest people I've met, you would never externally see them as tough, but they have something down deep on the inside of them that causes them to stand up when everybody else is sitting down. It causes them to face a Goliath when everybody else wants to run. It causes them to stand up in the face of the things that the enemy throws their way to be an internally tough person. Now, the G in grit, I thought of this, was that that stands for grace. Everybody say grace. grace. If you want to get to the internal toughness, you have to understand and have a deep place in your life of understanding God's grace. Are anybody in here thankful that God is gracious? None of us would be here if he weren't. He's a gracious God. He's a good God. We understand that when, when that becomes the foundation of your walk with God, you begin to develop internal toughness because you understand where God places you in life when you're facing a Goliath isn't by accident. It is something that's going to build something inside of you that has a far much weightier place in your life than anything else you could experience. You have to understand God's grace. Can I tell you, God is a gracious God. God is a good God. You, you come to that place where you understand that the grace that we've been given is a gift. Amen? So you have to start with grace. But the R, to me, when I want to develop internal 60-weight grit toughness in my life, like I believe David had, is reliance. Everybody say reliance. If we can learn to understand God's grace, and, and simply this, that everything that you have in your life is by his goodness and his yeah, graciousness. If you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, you had the ability to get out of bed and come here and enjoy a worship service with your brothers and sisters, it's an understanding that, that God woke you up by his grace. 
That's why I come in and worship him every day of my life. I surrender everything to him. That's really what reliance is in our lives. It's every day. Listen to me for just a minute. It's every single day freshly surrendering to God. It's not just something I did 25 years ago when I bowed my knee and made him Lord of my life and he revolutionized my life. When you want to be an internally tough person, not external, internally tough person, number one, you, you, you have to get honest. Amen? It's a, I think there's a book that came out a long time ago. It's okay to not be okay. Don't we oftentimes as believers just put that mask on before we ever walk in here? I talk about this a lot because... I understand that if we're going to be internally tough, you don't have to act externally like you have it all together. Our motto at this church should simply be, no perfect people allowed. Yes, except for the Lord Jesus. He's welcome in this place. And that is so important because, listen, when you're going to rely on somebody beside yourself, you better know who you're relying on. And grace teaches us that. In the line in the most famous hymn, it's, it's his grace that taught my heart to fear. It's his grace that, that leads me on in reliance. What that does is it builds in an, an identity. Everybody say identity. It builds in an, an identity in us. What I love about David is not only was he, he, was he strong internally, but he knew who his God was. Because the scripture we're getting ready to read in just a minute is when he comes bringing the cheese and the bread and sees for 40 days, which in the Bible is a number and a symbol of testing. I came to tell some people, you've been through the test, you've been through the fire, you faced a Goliath, but there is a day 41 that comes because God is a God of victory. But you've got to know his grace and you have to be reliant upon him in every single area of your life. You know, one of my favorite passages of scripture is towards the end of the book of John. And I love this because I never looked at it this way. I always laughed at the passage because we see that Jesus is talking to Peter and he's restoring Peter around a campfire. He's telling Peter, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, and asking him if he loves. Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? I mean, that's a loaded question when Jesus asks you that. Peter Peter answered the best way he could. Lord, you know. (laughs) You, You know. In other words, I'm not even going to rely on myself. It's, it's your love pouring into me that I'm going to be relying upon. But John, as they're walking, it says in there that the disciple Jesus loved was following them. The funny thing I always found about that is John was the one writing it, right? <laughs> and I used to chuckle at that, but I began to think of that differently recently as I read it again a few weeks ago just by in devotional time. And I thought, John is writing this years later, his gospel. He's writing this years later. He had to have been looked at at other people. Let me ask you this. If John the Apostle walked through that door and walked up to this pulpit, would you be in awe this morning? You'd say yes because he rose from the dead. Yeah, number one, you'd be shocked at that. But number two, wouldn't you just kind of have like he walked with Jesus. He was one of the hand-picked disciples. Other people, and, and John went and planted churches. John went and spoke in the churches. He was a revered, revered early father, apostle. And even when in, the, in the book of Revelation, the foundation of the New Jerusalem is the apostles. Their names are on it. Their names are on eternity. You understand? So there had to be people who looked at him with awe. But let me tell you something that I discovered. When, he, when I say be, being reliant on Jesus and your identity is that it doesn't matter what other people think of you, good or bad. It's, I'm just the disciple that Jesus loves. When you can get to that place, church, when you can get to the place where you just say, man, good, bad, or indifferent, I am the one that he loves. And I came to tell you this morning, he loves you. He loves you dearly. And you can become so enamored with the grace that has been given to you, and you can become so reliant upon him it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord it is not something that we faith isn't something you work up and sprinkle on a problem it's a deep abiding trust in who god said he was and when david shows up in first samuel 17 here on the battlefield 
He wasn't looking for a battle. Have you ever run into a battle in your life and you weren't looking for a battle? Oh, boy. You would think he'd just say, I'm here to deliver the bread and cheese and I'm going to go ahead and take off. But can I tell you what a person of grace and grit does when they're faced with an enemy is they don't look at the situation and say, let me run from it. They look at the situation because not only is God looking for people with grit and internal toughness, which grace and reliance will get internal toughness in your life. Does anybody else just want to be internally tough? Can I tell you, if you say, I don't really know, you better develop some internal spiritual toughness for the days that we have ahead of us. And I'm not a doom and gloom. I am not. I'm just saying that I've lived enough of life to know that trouble comes. Amen? If you lived enough of life to know that trouble comes at some point, sometime. So David wasn't looking for trouble. Trouble kind of found him. And what bothered him, think about this. He said in Acts, and I believe I have it up there. I'll give you the scripture. In the book of Acts, he says, I have found David a man after my own heart. Think about what that says. God is looking for people who are after his own heart. You could look at that two ways. People who are after his heart, like they have a heart for him, but also that are continually pursuing him continually pressing in to be closer to him, to be more like him. And David, and and I'm giving you the, your homework is to read this yourself, of course, especially if you haven't delved into that, those passages in 1 Samuel. They're incredible, and there's incredible spiritual lessons there that we can delve into. But as we look at this today, understand, David shows up. He wasn't looking for a fight. And here's another thing, and this, this should encourage you this morning. David wasn't picked to be anything, right? Samuel comes on the scene. We know from earlier chapters, he comes on the scene and he's like, wait a second, you know, this one's good looking. So surely the Lord's, Samuel's saying this, the prophet, surely the, Lord, the Lord's anointed is here. Surely the Lord's anointed. This is him. This is it. No, the Lord's no, no. Is there another? This should encourage you this morning that God doesn't look at us the way that we look at ourselves. You may say this morning, yes, Pastor, I don't have that grit. I don't have that 60 grit in my life. I'm not that type of a believer. Can I tell you, you can become that type of believer with grace and reliance on him. Amen. Look down there at 1 Samuel 17. We'll read our scripture. And again, I'm not going to read this whole chapter for the sake of time. Verse 37. I love this. David's on the scene. He comes on the scene. Goliath is mocking the people of God. Send me a man. Send me a person from amongst Israel that will come out here and fight me right here on this battlefield for 40 days. He is taunting, and he's taunting, and he's taunting. I came to declare to you in faith today that the enemy may have been taunting you. He may have put the world and the weight and the fear and anxiety on your shoulders, but when you look at this, And David said this in verse 37, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Acts 13, verse 22, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Father, for these next few minutes and moments as we delve into your word and to learn about David, let it apply to our lives. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. Father, you love each and every soul that is sitting and present here before me, each and every person that's listening online. Father, you love them, and you want to encourage them today. God, we want to be people of grit. We want to be people after your own heart. So, Father, everything that's spoken of Jason Hanks, let it fall by the wayside. But whatever's spoken under the anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit, I pray it will go into the hearts of the people and create fruit, God, today. Amen? Amen. So 40 days represents a time of testing and a time of, of completion. And David shows up on the scene on, towards the end of that 40 days. And here's what it says he does. We know it from the story. He grabs five smooth stones. Everybody say stones. He grabs those five smooth stones and he goes into battle with Goliath. Let me give you some pointers on being a person of grace and grit 
and being a person of internal toughness, being a person that when you face Goliath, that you don't run, but you see the victory in God. Everybody say victory. victory. First stone, you need a God focus. Amen? That's a, that's a first stone that you can come to. See, up in verse 26, and this is interesting. This is the first time here that God is brought into the conversation. You see, the rest of the 40 days, they are talking about how, what they're going to do to Israel, and Israel's hiding from Goliath. And this is the first time you see God brought into this. And isn't it easy to go through life as a Christian and never bring God into the situation? So the first stone is you have to be God-focused. We have to, we have to begin to believe and ask God to walk into our situations and bring change. You see, oftentimes we don't have a God focus, we have a spouse focus. Or we have a boss focus. Or we have a problem focus. And can I tell you, very really, what we focus on will become the biggest thing in our life. Goliath seemed so insurmountable and so big because they didn't have a God focus, they had a problem focus. Amen? They didn't have, listen, they didn't have a victory focus. They had a victim focus. Oh, come on. They did not have a victory mindset and focus. They had a victim mindset and focus. And, and listen to me this morning. If, if you get in the car and you begin to rehearse how bad your marriage is, guess what's going to happen? If you get in the car and you say, boy, I don't like my boss and he's just going to get on me again today and I just don't like my job, I don't like this and I don't like that. If you begin to focus on your problem more than you do God, it is going to get bigger than what you're able to overcome. And that is not grit. That is not what God has called us to do. In this scripture, the first stone that you can have in order to defeat the Goliath in your way is you can get your focus off of the problem and get your focus back on God. Can I get an amen this morning? Some of you are dealing with situations where you're like, I don't know how this is going to work out. Focus on God. Why? Is that important? Because we have a God that can turn any situation around like that. Get your eyes off the problem and fix your eyes on the problem solver this morning. I'm asking you today, bring God into your situation. Goliath is big, but I came to tell you, your God is bigger than Goliath. Amen? Amen? Though the situation may seem too much, God is able, so you have to have a God focus. Number two. Everybody say a ridiculous reality. You, the second stone, and I've talked about this before, but sometimes, because when David shows up on the scene with his cheese and his bread and was just sent sent there to deliver lunch to the brothers, Saul comes along, and here's what he says. Don't be ridiculous. Church, if you don't have an area of your life where out people that are outside of faith in God and how big he is are calling you ridiculous, you have to have a ridiculous reality. You do. You have to look at the, the Goliath. You have to look at the mountain and have enough faith in your heart not to focus on the mountain but focus on your God. We need to get a faith that even when people are calling us ridiculous, we know what God has called us to. Notice this, Saul says in the story, you were just a boy, and he has been a warrior since your youth. Think about that for a minute. Saul says, you're just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Saul had more faith in Goliath than he had in his God. Church, may we never have more faith in what the enemy's screaming, yelling, and lying to you about than what we have in our God. Amen? So you, you do. You have to have a ridiculous reality. And another thing you'll notice about when David shows up on the scene is he could only see David as he was. He didn't see him as he was. You have people in your life that don't see you as you are now but only see you as you were. But when you have been washed in the blood, when you have been redeemed, when you have surrendered your life to Christ, you are a new creation. You see this spiritually in the story. Saul saw David as he was, as a boy, anointed, yes, called, yes, 
But sometimes to have a ridiculous reality, we need to decide, I will not be named by the world. I will let God name me. Amen? Amen. You got to let God name you. You got to be, again, go back to grit. You have to have such a reliance on God's grace and who he identified you as. Just like John said many times in his gospel, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Told you a hundred times and I'll tell you a hundred more because repetition is what gets it into your heart, into your mind. If God had a refrigerator and he doesn't, but if he did, your picture would be right on it. It would. You're the apple of his eye. He loves you so very much. See, you can choose to be named by the world or you can allow God to name you because he formed you in your mother's womb. He had his eye on you from the very beginning of you being born on this earth. He's had his hand upon you. He's spoken to you. He covers you. He protects you. He loves you. To David, Goliath wasn't a death sentence. Goliath was an opportunity. In church, your current situation isn't a death sentence. It is an opportunity for God to defeat the Goliath that shows up. You see, when a Goliath shows up, your calling, listen to me, your calling will be revealed. Who you are will be revealed. David probably wouldn't even have known how much grit that he had in his own internal self, internal toughness he had until Goliath showed up. So you don't need to curse your Goliath. You need to thank God that there is a Goliath, that you can stand up in the name of the Lord. I'm not talking about your own power. I'm not talking about your own strength. I'm talking about the strength of the name of the Lord our God this morning. And even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death myself, I'm still going to stand up to Goliath and begin to declare God's word. Because a Goliath will reveal the best thing that can happen to us is to get in a situation not where, listen, when everything's going well and everything's just swimmingly, I can walk through that door smiling and just on top of the world. But let some battles come and let the enemy try to invade your house and let the enemy try to steal, kill, and destroy. And listen, something on the inside is either going to run or it's going to stand up. And I came to tell you today, stand up in the name of Jesus against what is ahead of you. You just need to have some grit. Everybody say grit. grit. Man, I love that word this morning. I know I'm stuck on it. But I told you guys this a few weeks ago, that if I'm going to preach to you that we truly are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, loving not our own lives, even unto death. Listen, and, and this, is, this is what flies in the face of all the name it, claim it, and all the prosperity stuff. You're going you're gonna to walk through some dark places where there's a Goliath on the other end, and you need to stand up in faith, not faith in how good you are. That's where grace comes in, faith in how good he is. Trust. Everybody say trust. David had a level of trust because the scripture I just read you was this. He delivered me from the paw of the bear and the mouth of the lion. My God can do it again. Because not only do you have to have a ridiculous reality, you have to have number three stone. You have to have a memory that rehearses past victories. I didn't say rehearse past victimhood. Oh, come on. I didn't say rehearses past victimhood. I said you need to look, because David in that moment looked back and said, if God can do it here and he can do it here, because you will begin to walk through some small battles because you, your, your, your heart's broken in a moment or you know your parent lets you down or somebody said something to you growing up in school or whatever it is, but you can go back and rehearse what everybody else said about you or you can rehearse that God said, I am a godly person after his own heart. And that's exactly who you are this morning. You need a victory memory. Everybody say victory memory. David says to Saul, I can do it because I fought past tense. A lion and I fought a bear and the God who rescued me will rescue me again. The God who rescued you in the past is the same God that's going to rescue you in the present. No matter what it looks like in the natural, if you stand in faith and you stand up and say, I don't come to you with slings and arrows and stones, but David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord my God. I don't even need to preach on five stones because it only takes one stone that's anointed by God and on his flight path to destroy what is coming against you. All of David's brothers, good-looking Hebrew boys, it says. And you know the story, Samuel goes to anoint them. And God says, nope, 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 nope. 
And the word he used is this, the youngest. Notice this. He didn't even call him his son. He just said the youngest. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's David. Can I tell you, if you've been forgotten by everybody else and God's had you in a closet, so to speak, of, of, of formation and preparation in the spirit, what he is building in you is what the church needs in the days we're living in more than anything else. It's understanding that he loves you, he's for you, and you can trust him, and internal toughness. I, I said it a moment ago, and I'll say it again. If I can't walk through the battles and show you that God can be trusted, then who can? And he can be trusted. It says they never even considered David. There's lots of speculation why the most popular theory, because Psalms wrote, David wrote this in like Psalm 69.8. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Psalm 27. Though my father rejects me, the Lord takes me in. The speculation was this in theological circles. David just fought, David's father Jesse, because he began to doubt his own legitimacy, because his grandma Ruth was a Moabite, he had severed ties with his wife, and David was born perhaps from one of Jesse's concubines. But it's interesting. He was rejected, despised by his brothers, and very well could have been one of the sons of one of the concubines. And listen to me. He was different. He had pain. But he chose to look back and see the victory of who God made him to be. Are you following me this morning? The depth of pain that David could have looked back and looked at, and that's what we can do when we're facing Goliath. We can either look back and rehearse the pain, amen, or we can look back and see God's victory. Because he, of all people, David could have looked back, and in that moment when he's saying, are you being ridiculous? You're the, you're the least. You're, you're not anybody. In that moment, he could have, can I tell you how you know if the enemy's talking to you? And look through, look through all the Bible. Look through the book of Revelation. The guy is always talking. He never shuts up. Look at Goliath, the story of Goliath. He, in 40 days, he never got tired of standing out there and taunting them and telling them, your God can't come through. Your God is not victorious. Your God is not this. Your God is not that. But there's a point where he looked back and he saw, saw God's miracle power in his life. Not the pain and dysfunction. Can I tell you, let you in on a secret this morning? We're all a little jacked up. Come on. Come on. We all can look back and see those messed up places of our lives. But I want you to focus on a God who overcomes. Number four is this. Fit four stone. A dedication to your future. When David is, is getting ready to go, Saul says, you can go, but you have to put on this armor. Right? Some of you are fighting battles against the enemy in somebody else's armor. You're fighting battles against the enemy. And, and again, go back to grace. Reliance equals internal toughness. If you never become comfortable in who God has made you, I, I think that that's what grace does for us. I think that's what grace did for the Apostle John. I really do. When he can, when he can confidently say, my bona fides are not in the fact that I'm an apostle and that I walk with Jesus and that I saw miracles and I saw this. Young people, listen to me. You're getting ready to go to camp. And I tell you who God's going to introduce you to. He's going to introduce yourself to yourself. I mean, I felt that. Because there's nothing more beautiful than becoming who God really created you to be. And guess what happens when you really find out who he created? You can rest in that. And you can give yourself grace for growth. You can give yourself and cut yourself some slack. Amen? Some of you don't have a problem understanding being forgiven by God. Some of you need to forgive yourself. You do. You need, to, you need to understand that, that Saul's armor wasn't meant to be worn by David. It was meant to be worn by Saul. And sometimes we put on Saul's armor 
and we march off to battle, and we wonder why we get defeated time after time after time. And the reason that that happens, church, is because you weren't meant for Saul's armor. You were meant for who God created you to be. That's where grace comes in. These young people that are getting ready to go to camp, that's been my number one prayer over these last couple months, is that they would finally, finally find that place of value, that place of anointed, being anointed by God. There's some of these young people will be at that camp, will go on and, and, and fight the enemy and see him fall in our generation. I believe that with all my heart. As deeply as the tentacles of darkness has, has wedged its way through social media and, and access to porn at the touch of a button, you understand that, that we're, we're dealing with darkness has invaded a whole generation of young people. But can I tell you that Goliath that's taunting the church? I mean, I, I seriously think of 20, 30 years down the road when I'm, you know, hopefully in heaven. <laughs> hopefully. No, I know where I'm going enjoying the presence of God. We're going to turn this over to another generation. And we say all the time, yeah, but you have to be like us. Oh, come on. You need to put on my armor. Come on. We're going to take them up to Virginia and we're going to teach them who they are in Christ. And we're going to teach them the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to teach them that you be filled with the Holy Spirit and you be the best Holy Spirit-filled person that you can possibly be. And you will turn your school upside down. You will turn a generation upside down. I've said this before, and somebody reminded me just a few days ago, and it made me chuckle, and it gave me goosebumps. Anybody like Holy Ghost goosebumps? I do. It gave me those. Because I, I used to say, I'm going to go change the world. I'm going to go change the world. And this person had texted me, and he said, let's change our world together. <laughs> That's better. Because I can't change the world, but I can change my world which encompasses this church right here in this area and other like-minded churches that are, here's what other like-minded churches are doing in this season. We're standing up against the Goliath we see a generation facing. And we're saying, enough with your taunts. Enough with what you're saying. We're not going to come at you with, with Dr. Phil and Oprah. Because Dr. Phil and Oprah have jacked up an entire generation, including some sitting here, right here. Because you don't need more self-help. You need to put your armor on, son and daughter of God. You need to quit listening to Goliath. Because there does come a day when you can... Listen, this is the bottom line of what I'm talking about. To, to, to have internal toughness. To have grit. You have, finally have to draw a line in the sand and say, enough is enough. You've taken this generation too far. Enough is enough. But do we have enough believers that have the, the spirit and anointing of David to look at the enemy constantly taunting the church and saying, finally, enough. Hold my cheese. Hold my bread. I'm going to go take off this devil's head. Come on, somebody. You finally have to say enough is enough. I'm telling you, the easy trap to fall into is you don't get to pick your Goliath. Notice that. He didn't, he didn't choose to be there. There's many of you facing situations where you just, like me, that I'm just like, how did I end up right here? How? You don't get to choose that. You don't get to choose your Goliath. You don't get to choose your battlefield. But can I tell you what you do get to choose? Whether you're going to stand and fight or whether you're going to run off. That's what you get to choose. That could be in a situation in your marriage. And again, if, if all you do is, is rehearse how bad your marriage is, guess what's going to happen? Or if you want to get in your car and just begin to tell the Lord, thank you for my spouse. I talked to you. you know, I used to pastor a college and career group. And, you know, I'd see him a couple months after getting married. Oh, we, we don't fight at all. <laughs> just stay married because <laughs> we all know what the devil does he wakes up and that old sleep apnea dragon breath person's over there if you breathe on me one more time with your sleep apnea self I'm going to kick you out of this bed 
Gil, you're clapping a little too loud right there. <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> On your job, you want to look at the Goliath. Can I tell you that when you begin to even, listen, when you can let blessings over your situation, your stone that's in your sling most of the time is something that you're already speaking out of your mouth. Because with our, our mouths we bless, with our mouths, no, you bless. You speak life and light into that situation. You invite the presence of a holy God. You invite the Holy Spirit. And, and can I tell you this? Just because you don't see a change in a moment doesn't mean that God is not on the move. Doesn't mean that, that, that again, you, you release that word and God says his word does not return void. We have a precious sister here that has a dire cancer prognosis and can I tell you there's cancer is not above the name of Jesus Christ heart issues are not above the name of Jesus Christ not at all that's right no rival no other name but the name of Jesus I woke up this morning and I could feel myself losing my voice and I don't know why except God didn't want me to come here and tell you that he's bigger than your Goliath Sometimes you've got to do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord. If you look back on being a past victim instead of the victory that God has promised in his word and you begin to continually speak out, I don't know why this has happened. I don't, you know, get the word of God in your heart and declare it. And lastly, stand with me this morning. Tammy, if you'd come, please. David said in verse 47 of 1 Samuel 17, here's what he said. Here's here's how I'm going to end. Some of you need to put a stone of radical faith in your sling today. And let me remind you of this in verse 47. He said, the battle is the Lord's. (laughs) The battle is not yours. It belongs to God. Amen? And that is so important to remember. Because last time I checked, and last time I read my Bible, God has not lost a battle yet. You don't fight for victory today. You fight from a place of victory. Think about what Goliath said. Here's what he said. Continually for 40 days. Give me a man. Give me a man. Give me a man. Give me a believer. Give, give me somebody who has faith, the enemy says. Give me somebody. God, much like Job, your hand is on him and there's a hedge of protection around him. You lower that hedge and you watch him. He's going to give up. She's going to give up came to encourage you of something today that all those thousands of years before Goliath is taunting the people of God and says give me a man give me a man can I tell you what happened much down the road there was a man who came on the scene and his name was Jesus Christ and the interesting thing about that whole story and this is speculation again from many theological scholars And I want to present it as such because we don't know this for sure. But the place where Jesus was crucified was called the place of the skull. And the Philistine head of of Goliath, it says, was taken back to Jerusalem. But they wouldn't have buried it in the holy city. They would have buried it outside the city. So it's very clear in the Bible that it says... Jesus walked outside of the city on the place of the skull. Gaul, Gotha. Gaul, Gotha. Goliath, Got. You understand? My point is this, and this is what I want to celebrate with you today in faith, is that when the enemy says, give me a man, give me a woman, I'll take him on, 
you are not fighting from a place of defeat. You are fighting from a place where Jesus was hung for hours upon a cross at the place called the skull. So when the enemy says, give me a man, God gave him a man. And his name was Jesus Christ. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He was not defeated, but he said upon the cross, on the top of the enemy, he said, it is finished. So your battle has already had its outcome decided because we are promised through the blood of Jesus. We are promised eternal healing and eternal happiness and eternal healing. And no matter what, here's the thing. God has the final word of the enemy that's been taunting you and coming against you. It's God that has that final word. Him, because today it is finished. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. I want to ask this first question. I want to pray for those who you say, Pastor, I am facing a Goliath. I'm facing a giant in front of me that is just taunting me and and ridiculing me. Would you shoot your hand up? We want to pray for you today. Amen. Amen. I tell you what. If you can and will, why don't you come and just line the front right here so we can. This is a, listen, this is it. This is it right here, right here. Here it is. David made the first step towards the enemy, and that's what you're doing prophetically right now. It is. You're making the step, and you aren't running from the enemy, but you're saying I'm running towards the enemy. And, and I want you to know as your pastor, right here as I stand today, the things that I've been facing lately, I'm taking a step towards my Goliath. Put your hands up all over this place. Jesus, God, your presence is right here in this place. It has been from the moment that we began to lift up your name. Lord Jesus, we pray for each and every person that's right here at this altar. God, they have made a step of faith. Father, they have, they have literally in faith picked up that stone of remembrance. God, we declare today that the righteous are not forsaken. But they shall see the goodness of our God in the land of the living. So today I pray that they would take heart, that their, their faith would be encouraged and their faith would rise up within them, God, against the enemy. Father, I pray today you would put the sword of the word in our mouths, that the declared word of God in your mouth, that, that is what the Holy Spirit wants you to begin to do. He wants you to get into the word and he wants to get the word into you so that you can declare God's will on earth as it already is in heaven. God's word does not return void. So for those of you who are facing what seems insurmountable, I want to encourage you today begin to declare the word of the lord quit rehearsing the problem and look towards the problem solver today lord for each person that has come forward god we pray in this moment right here that you would just give abundant grace that father we rely we just say again god we surrender and we rely on you And Father, today, put an internal, God, take that 60-grit sandpaper that smooths off the rough edges, the God, the 60-grit sandpaper that that can plow through things, Lord, because that's what it was created to do. I want to declare over each and every one of you in this church today that God has put within you a warrior spirit. He has not put in you a spirit of defeat. He has not put in you a spirit of timidity. He has not put in you a spirit of fear. But he has given you power, love, and a sound mind. Some of you that are up here right now, the enemy has taunted and attacked your mind. And we take authority over that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Devil, your lies stop right here, right now. The lies stop. And we take a a stand like David today, Father. And we say, God, equip us. We put on your armor of who you created us in your image to be, Father, today. Let that armor, let that peace just come upon your mind. Let that righteousness that is in Christ Jesus protect right here in the midsection. Let the belt of truth be cinched around your waist. Let that belt cinch tight. Don't let there be anything that pulls you away from the truth of who God said you were. And he said you are victorious by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. God, we claimed victory over disease and sickness. 
We claim victory over our wayward children today. God, our children who have wandered off and they're in darkness, we call them to light today in Jesus' name. We speak life over our circumstances and situations, Father. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just put your hands together and begin to praise him. Lord, you're victorious. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Hallelujah. 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 Bow your head and close your eyes. I want to extend as I always try to do before we let out of a service of anybody who says everything you've talked about today, Pastor, is something that that I believe. I want to be somebody that understands grace, that relies on God, and that has internal toughness. So, Father, today, we desire to lay everything down at your feet. And you may have never done that for the first time. You've, you're here. You're a visitor, maybe. You've, you just say, I need, to, I need to surrender to God and make him Lord of my life. Would you shoot up your hand right there where you are? Amen. 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 Let's all pray this together. We have people that are going to commit their lives to Christ right here. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you with an honest heart. I come to you with an open heart. You love me. You have chosen me. And today, Father, I ask you to wash me. Cleanse me from all sin. I make you Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. Come into my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I, before I pray over you and dismiss you, I want to remind you, and especially those who are right here at this altar, I want to tell you this. My pastor actually taught me this, and he preached on it several times, but it's so important. You came here, and you, you're facing a Goliath. You're facing a battle. And as he always taught me, he said, it's not about the size of your faith. It's about the endurance of your faith. So you keep hanging on. You lay hold of the, the old horns of the altar, the proverbially, and you continue to believe God because Goliath will fall because Jesus is victorious and he is king. Amen? Lift your hands. I want to bless you today as the congregation. Father, I bless Christian Center Church. Father, may they be blessed going in and blessed going out. May they be blessed in their homes with their families and their children's children. And God, may they be blessed in what they put their hand to for work. Father, I pray that your face would turn towards them, that you would shine upon them and you would give them peace and you would give them rest and you would give them favor. Father, I pray that you would watch over and protect them and God, you would watch over and protect this youth camp. God, as buses are traveling north and then back south, may your hand be upon us the entire time. May your angels go before us and guard us and guide us along the way. And God, we believe that this is going to be a week of radical change for the youth of Citrus County, Father. We believe it and we declare it. And God, I bless the people of Christian Center Church. As they go from here, may it never be from your presence until we come back together at the appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a couple quick reminders. No Monday night prayer meeting tomorrow night. No Wednesday night service. And look forward to being in the house next Sunday. And we will have a good report.